Warning. The following show contains material that may not be suitable for children, Bible thumpers, or conservatives. Do not attempt to recreate any of the stories from the show as this may result in harm or anal tears. Viewer discretion is advised. Oh my god. Uh, Jesus. What is up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gay Bible. Hashtag Bible Gang, hashtag Bible Squad, hashtag Gay Gang. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's get into this motherfucking episode. I know last week's episode was a little bit of a downer because I was a down, I was a little depressed bitch, but we are back. We are fucking back, baby. Okay, so in starting this week's episode... Guys, this has been an anticipated episode for this week's show is going to bring light to the truth and the real truth about life and the unfortunate events that have occurred to my next guest. Before this week's episode, I need to say something. You're going to hear things about people and the stories that stick with them and your life. Well, you already have. That's called gossip. Even if these stories seem true, you always need to remember to never hear someone's story from someone else and spread it without truly knowing the story. This can result in an immense amount of pain for someone that did not only not deserve it, but never got the chance to tell you how the story started and ended. It's not fair to them, and it's not fair that you are the one telling the story and not them. Now, I know this is going to come with a lot of pressure and maybe backlash from from you, but whatever you decide, I will be 100% supportive about it and stand by you. So this question applies to you, bitch. Are you going to be a disciple or anonymous? I feel like if I were to be anonymous, everyone would figure out who I am anyways. So, bitch, we're doing disciple today. Fuck, she's doing fucking disciple. I'm not even ready for this. Oh, I'm really excited for it. this interview. I know, me too. I'm stoked. I've been thinking about it like every day so your story like really did has been sticking with me these past couple years and i never thought that i would actually have the opportunity to tell your story but then i started this fucking podcast and i was like ba bang ba boom i'm (laughs) right and then i asked you what was your perfect way to do it what was your initial reaction when i first asked you i was so excited you know because i have had several instances in my life where i've had to explain my side of story or you know, kind of explain my life to individual people. And I'm just, I think it'll be good to just say it all out at once. And whoever the fuck wants to hear my shit can just hop up on Spotify, what, Apple Music, a couple different platforms. Oh, we're on all the fucking different oh, platforms, it, baby. <laughs> we're on Amazon, Google. So drum roll, please. My name is Elizabeth, um, but I'm very much known as Biddy around these parts. Where did you get that nickname? My, uh, so I was the youngest of my sisters, and so it was just kind of like itty bitty. Itty bitty And then it just kind of, apparently I grew titties after that, so it just kind of stuck. I I always thought that you got that name because you had some massive clunkers. I know, isn't that so fucking funny though, like how it played out, because my nickname's been that for so fucking long, and like I just happened to grow, you know, bitties up in here, but. (laughs) Okay, so 
I want to do this complete justice. And I feel like the only way to do this is to start from the very beginning with you. So in saying that, kind of like the Sparknotes version from what the conversations that we have had together and what you've originally told me. So you're from Tacoma, Washington, born to two parents that, as you say, are nothing short of amazing. How would you describe your childhood? What was the common theme of that? Like an example, mine was, would say chaotic. There was just always kind of stress, but there were good moments. There were bad moments, but continually there was just, it was always some scraps, some scraps. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, this is kind of like an intense story, but so as far as my mom and my dad, I actually have like no recollection of them being together. I don't remember any of it, you know, don't remember them breaking up. I think it has a huge, you know, thing to deal with me having brain surgery at a really young age, you know, it just a blunt force trauma to the head. You kind of Well, because that's what happened with you. So you were you were like two years old and you had an unfortunate accident where you need like some complicating surgery to the head, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was like two years old, fell off a bar stool in my kitchen and hit my head on the corner of the counter and was life flighted to Harborview and had brain surgery. And I wasn't supposed to make it, let alone be half normal. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like that really plays a part in why I don't remember my mom and my dad together also kind of feel like that's kind of why they broke up because medical bills, but don't even get me well, started. I, I remember in the initial conversation that we had, you kind of blamed yourself that your parents yeah. split up. And I was trying to reassure you. I was just like, there was probably other stuff oh, happening a long time ago before that actually happened. That yeah. was probably just a final straw with like the stress that was yeah. building up. Even with the brain surgery though, like the continue, like what was the common theme for you though? Through It was through honestly my childhood, like from what I remember, it was honestly very, like, given to me almost. Like, my parents took really good care of me. My mom got remarried with this guy. Um, so I'm not supposed to say names. No, you gotta make... Or... I, like... I tell everybody, make the most ridiculous names for people. Okay, we'll call him Roger. <laughs> Roger that. So, my... <laughs> so, my mom got remarried to Roger and... I think I was like three years old and then we moved to Vancouver because I think we were living in Puyallup at the time. And we moved to Vancouver and no, like he pretty much raised me my entire childhood. Like he gave me the morals that I have and just so my life was pretty, I don't know, I would say fortunate compared to a lot of people. I don't feel like it was ever really chaotic necessarily. I mean, having fucking three sisters is a little bit fucking nuts. That is a lot. So, in that sense, very much fucking chaotic. So, what I've heard from you is essentially, like, the theme throughout your childhood was, it was pretty normal. It was, like, you were very blessed, what what you would say. It was a good situation, though the head trauma thing really did kind of stir things up. Your parents did split. Your mom did get remarried, and you Mm -hmm. did learn a lot from the individual. But what about your dad? What was the relationship like with him going forward? My dad and my mom have always been, like, best friends. They've always been really close, so I'm definitely fortunate for that. But because him living in Anacortes and I'm living in Vancouver, you know, it was kind of only, like, I'd see him on holidays or if I had, like, a long weekend, spring break, things like that. I don't know. Our He's always been, like, the cool dad, you know? And he's actually really known in Anacortes, so a lot of people probably already know him, but he's very cool, yeah. I guess, I suppose, in some ways, you know, some ways not so much, but dad things, daddy, <laughs> daddy issues. Daddy issues, I feel that. <laughs> so when your parents split up, essentially, why did you decide to stay with your mom instead of your dad? I think it was just definitely a support thing, you know, because um, my mom always kind of made my dad out to seem like the bad guy in the situation, and my mom was with this new guy who 
they were both able to provide for us in the sense of like school and clothes and shelter and food and everything that comes with it. So I don't know. It was just a support. I mean, I never really had a choice anyways. It was always kind of my mom got custody for obvious reasons but so your mom was still living in vancouver washington and your dad moved to anacortes which is what like a three hour drive yeah it's like 240 miles and did you ever figure out why he decided to move like out of all the places why a small little island town he has lived here since high school actually he moved from tacoma to anacortes for i think like his either his junior and senior year or just his senior year so he had already lived up here my grandparents live up here aunts you know Oh, yeah, because your dad and my mom used to go to high school together, actually. Fun fun fact. Imagine that. Oh, God. I couldn't even imagine going to my high school, like, going to high school with my dad at that time. I remember when we were, like, first talking about, like, interviewing and everything like that, you talked about a common theme throughout, you know, your days through school. You kind of describe yourself as a drifter. What does that even mean? When you go to a school with some people, you know, because I was in Vancouver kindergarten through I left my sophomore year the end of my sophomore year you know when you're stuck in that environment with the same people that you've known your entire fucking life like you kind of just start you know and I was never like with the popular kids or you know with the skater kids or with this and that and this and that I was never like in a specific clique I just kind of like hung out with everybody you know just kind of drifting yeah hanging out doing whatever you know if it's a good vibe it's a good vibe if it's a bad vibe we're getting the fuck out (laughs) of there that's what I'm saying bitch don't even fucking Ask for the snap. And drifting through most of your life through the school system, you finally made the decision to uproot your life. And uh, I mean, that would have given me anxiety. Like, I didn't decide to actually move fully away until I was 19 years old. And that even then was like a lot for me to deal with. But you only being, what, 16? Yeah. And moving three hours up north where your dad was living. So in talking about that... Why did you even decide to come up here? It's actually such a long and detailed story. So Give us the spark notes. Yeah, the tea girl. <laughs> so when I was like 15 years old, I started talking to this guy who happened to live in Anacortes, who also happened to be like one of my brother's friends. So he was close with the family. What was his name? <laughs> Let's give him. I don't know. Let's I, give him a juicy one. Let's just call him Hal. Hal. <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck? Shallow did you get? Hal. Shallow. Bitch. Oh, okay. I okay. see you, bitch. I see you. Yeah, you know it was thought processed. But anyways, so I was talking with this kid, Hal, I guess, and I was like fifteen. He was eighteen, and he lived in Anacortes. And, you know, I was coming up here for, like, Thanksgiving and Easter and holidays and summer, you know. And I was just, like, you know, that older guy. <laughs> and I was just, you know, daddy vibes, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Well, daddy issues playing with that, too. But At yeah. least he was 18 and not in my case where he's, like, 35, 40. Let's <laughs> I continue. I would have had a case. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I met this guy um it's actually crazy because i was up here for spring break i think and it was like a couple days after easter and my stepmom was showing me pictures of like their easter or whatever and there was this hal kid i suppose in the pictures and my brother was like oh like i'm gonna go hang out with hal you know like while we were looking through the pictures so i was like oh who's that and then she showed me because he was there on easter that's how close they are it was so fucking close-knit it was awful but um you're like who is this scrumptious man i'm looking at i was like who the fuck is that but um no so i 
ended up going back home to Vancouver and I still like hadn't talked to this kid, didn't know anything about him. And I get home and at this time I didn't have a fucking phone. I just had an iPod. Oh my god. So obviously I didn't have any Wi-Fi. So I had to wait till I got home. And I checked my Facebook and sure enough, he fucking friend requested me, which is so like you the energy had a is full weird. lady boner at that point. No, the energy was just like, how the fuck did this happen? Like, you know, whatever. But and you so remember then, being young. Like, I remember being young yeah. in that situation. Like, your heart's beating a thousand oh miles an God, hour. Oh, my God. My heart was in my ass. Straight up. That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I started talking to him because I had known his uncles because they were friends with my stepmom and dad. Like, really close friends with them. And so I had known them. And so I was just kind of like, oh, like... You know, I kind of know your family. And then we just started talking and everything just progressed. And then eventually I was visiting in Anacortes and my sister, (laughs) it was like down to the wire to finally meet him because it had been months. And I was like, I'm not going to keep doing this online shit. Like I need to have a physical face to match the Snapchat and Facebook Messenger. So I had my sister borrow my stepmom's car to go to 7-Eleven, quote unquote. And we went up to fucking Bob's Chowder. And he like walked up and I was like, what the fuck? Beautiful man. I mean... During this time. Yeah. If it was like, if I had to put myself in my younger self's shoes, I was like, wow. You know, anyways. So that happened. And then we ended up going to 7-Eleven. I think we just got like Slurpees or something. So you guys met. It was nost- it was good vibes. It was yeah. like you were like being your younger self. You were like, oh my God, don't say anything I know. stupid. Oh my God. Well, no, because when before I even left the fucking house, I'm standing in the mirror and I'm like shaking. Like it's like negative 30 degrees outside. Like my anxiety was so bad. I was shaking so bad was very nervous and so then finally and like i said my heart was in my fucking ass like oh the anxiety but um yeah i met him and i was just like what the fuck you know i was freaking out and um and then i think my sister was pumping gas and then like we kissed or whatever you know well, the first time, a little something in the back seat sucky suck, yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> um <laughs> And then I think we just dropped him off and then we went back to my house and he was like texting me. He's like, sneak out, sneak out. And I was like, like, have you ever met my dad? Was this, some, bo- was this some booty call message? Like, I don't know. We just, so I ended up sneaking out. We're, you know. Baddie. And he like rode his bike over to the house and we were literally just standing in the driveway for like hours, hours and just like talking and stuff. And then. Just about life. Just everything, you know, because yeah. we'd been already, t- we've already went through our life events, you know, because we'd been talking for so long. Mm. And then the time came where I had to go back home and that was just pretty heartbreaking. I think I cried. Really? Well, (laughs) the thing that happens a lot in these situations is you get so caught up in the DMs, the messaging, and then you meet in person and that doesn't translate into real life and it's awkward. And then you're just like, well, this sucks. I just spent so much of my life messaging this person. But it did translate. Yeah. So you did. You saw him. It was amazing. And then you had to leave, which those emotions being like 15, 16, you're like, oh, my God, like my life sucks. (laughs) And the thing of it is, is that this Hal guy was not like my dad wasn't a fan of him because, you know, he did have a reputation and a past and whatnot. And so I'm like on my way back home to Vancouver, bawling my eyes out in the backseat. My dad's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm just, I just don't want to go home. I'm just emotional. <laughs> no, no, I'm just a little sad. So you're back home, and how long until 
you know, you're back home that you were like, I need to go, I need to go see this yeah. man again. What was the time? Like how many months passed by? Probably like four. Damn. You went four months without seeing him again. Oh my God, bitch. I went hella months without Damn. seeing this kid. Yeah. But the connection was still there. Well, apparently not because I invited him to our Thanksgiving and like. In Vancouver. No. in I was up in Anacortes. Anacortes. Okay. Yeah, at my dad's Thanksgiving. Well, with his wife and whatnot and uh-huh. their family. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we're all there and we're just like, no, like, I'm not going to come. You know, I don't want to piss anybody off. I don't want to ruin your guys' Thanksgiving, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, dude, just fucking come. Like, I already went through all of the trouble of inviting your ass. Like, just get over here. Because I bet your dad was very hesitant. Yeah. Well, he didn't even fucking know what was going on. Oh. He thought that <laughs> he was coming, like, because they're close with the family. Because, like I said, they've been close with him for years, uh-huh. like, since diapers. And so he pulls up and he's wearing like a high collared like windbreaker jacket uh-huh. and he's like trying to keep it up and shit. And eventually I see that he's got hickeys on his neck from another girl, obviously. I mean, I hope it was a fucking girl. But, oh, um, it was. It was actually for me. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't even know each you other are. yet. I know. <laughs> you little slut. I know. What the fuck? No. And so he was like, oh, it was like from a bell. Like I was blacked out. I don't know what happened. And I'm like, okay. And so then I just kind of like moved on from that. And then I found out who it was because the bitch texted me on Instagram. Okay. People who live in Skagit County, we all know this bitch. Oh, girl. What? <laughs> Can we give her a name? Let's call her. Let's call her. Sunny Ca- Evening. No. <laughs> oh. Sunny evening. Let's call her. Yeah, sunny Let's evening. Call her sunny. So she messaged you, and what was the message? You still have. She the, was just. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. You. <laughs> you showed the me receipts, the DMs. Girl. The DM was kind of hilarious. I know. I was like, "What the fuck is this nasty ass trashy shit going down right now?" And she was pretty much just telling you, like, "Yeah, he cheated on you." Yeah, like, with well, he me. was like, he fucked me all night. Like, anyway, I'm not gonna get into insults or anything. But um, we're better than we're on the. You're on the gay bible. You're better say, than that. I'm better than that. But um. No, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And so I just kind of gave up on all that. Well, then I'm fucking on my way home. And this man tells me that he's like suicidal because I want to break up with him, you know, and I'm like, I'm not the bad guy in this situation. What the fuck do you want me to do? Like, I'm not gonna. Right. So, but anyway, so that shit went down. So we were apart for a really long time. And then it was just kind of like. That first love thing where I'm like, oh, I miss you. And then we rekindle shit and then it'd go to shit and then, you know, back and forth a lot. But um, Just kind of messy. Yeah, very fucking messy. Like a really unfortunate situation for your first experience with a <laughs> right? dude that you actually had feelings for. Right. So, so well, I kn- He's got a reputation now, too. Everybody fucking knows who he is. Everyone, so. knows, who, everyone knows who Hal is. Everyone knows who Hal and Sunny are, bitch. Yeah. Don't even fucking try. It was very heartbreaking and I was very sad for a long time and then I kind of just tried to have what broke me cure me and that never fucking works out but it was honestly like I don't regret it at the end of the day like with all that shit that played out with you know said person or whatever at the end of the day I moved up here like I moved across the state to potentially live with him I mean I kind of kept it on the hush hush and said that I just wanted to start a new life but at the end of the day like I moved so that I could be closer to him, you know, well, and that, then... And that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, so you were in love at this point with this man. How yeah. long did it take after the initial meetup to know that you wanted to move? Like, the timeline from when you met oh to where God. you actually knew you wanted to move? Oh, God. It was probably... It was probably, like, nine months, because I had to finish out my school year. 
And then I graduated that summer. Or I didn't graduate. I moved that summer. Well, and I can't imagine. I mean, you have such a close-knit relationship with your mom. What kind of convincing did that take for both parties, your mom and your dad? Well, my dad was all in because he's always wanted us to live with him because he's never had any of his daughters live with him. But my mom was just kind of like, well, like, you can move up there for the summer and, like, we'll just see how you're feeling afterwards. Because she was like, if you're moving, like, you're moving. And I was like, all right, let's do this thing. She's like, I'm going to rent your bedroom out, bitch. Like, you better be sure. (laughs) No, yeah. So she was just like, if we're doing this, we're doing this, you know. So you're in the car. Bags are packed. What were those emotions? Were you leaving anything that you might have regretted? You know, your mom, for instance, friends or... Definitely leaving my sisters behind because I do have such a close relationship with my sisters. They're like my best friends. And being in the car, what were the expectations that you were expecting when you stopped the car and landed in Anacorta? So you're in the car. What were those emotions? You're just like, what were you feeling? What were you expecting the second that you touched foot in this new place? I think, I don't know, I immediately started a new job, and so I was just kind of like, I'll see where this takes me, see what kind of people are here. I ended up meeting some really great people, so that was really helpful in getting my foot in the door, I suppose, but I don't know, I was just kind of still in that mindset of coming up here for that one person, so that's kind of what I was expecting, but, you know, I met a few other people along the way, and... (laughs) To continue the journey. Yeah. Well, that's nice, so you're here... But basically with what you were saying, your expectations were you wanted a relationship with this person, with Hal, per se his name. And did you get that when you landed here? Definitely not. I mean, well, before I even moved here, we had another falling out. Oh my God, bitch. (laughs) I've got to tell you what this guy did. So this was like, oh, I don't know. This was probably a few months. No. It had to have been like a year maybe until I moved here, but that was just kind of the breaking point of why I didn't affiliate with him very much anymore. But this man dated another girl, because my name is Elizabeth, so it starts with an E. Well, he was dating me and another girl whose name started with an E, so he just put an E in his bio with a heart thinking like, oh, they'll never realize, you Uh know. Well, I found the other girl. And I DM'd her and was like, hey, like, what does the initials in your bio stand for? And she told me it was for the same person. And I was just like, oh, great. And then I called him and he literally goes, I was just trying to get pussy and finesse both worlds. Yeah. So I was like, okay, peace Why motherfucker thought he was being quick. No. I know, bitch. Us women, we figure if anything out, don't even fucking think. Men are just kind of stupid. Well, yeah. Yeah. Especially this one. Except I don't know. me, I'm I, fine. I am excluded from that. Um, yeah, well, you identify as something much more than a man. A gay man. <laughs> yes, even ten times better. It's clear to say that when you landed in Anacortes, the relationship did not take off. It did the no. exact opposite. But fuck, I mean, you're literally here. You're just like, I guarantee you, you were probably like, what the fuck do I do now? I'm here. Yeah. I just uprooted my life. Like, I can't just be like, hey, dad, like... I'm just not feeling it anymore. I'm just going to move back. Your dad would be like, tough it it out, bitch. It was actually pretty nice because me, I had worked at the pizza factory and I met a few friends, like I had said. And so I was kind of getting into that group and I met many more friends through that and went through a couple of dances and such. So I was kind of already had some friends that I could lean on, you know, because I ultimately. Some familiars. Yeah. Right. Well, I ultimately made the decision to go to school here. 
So that was rough with my mom calling her. She cried because I was only supposed to stay here for the summer. But I was like, I'm going to go to school here. I want to see how it plays out. I want to meet everybody. Like, I want to meet new people. Because you were the new shiny yeah, new Yeah, I was like, I'm the new girl. No. So you're here. You're queer. I'm just joking. Um, so you're here. You are staying. You are going to be a permanent piece in this new place that you moved to. So this was all happening during the summer. Yeah. So summer, well, like all good things. And like I've said, all good things must come to an end. You had to start school. And like I'm going to say, I well, I never thought I would ever ask this again, but please take me back to high school. Please take me through the moment that you opened up those two big metal bulky ass doors. Oh, my God. This was, and let me tell you guys, anybody that's listening, this it was a new school, a different type. There were different norms, different people, different language, everything. Right. And especially Anna Cordis, too. Anna like, Cordis can't afford us. Yeah. Ain't that the fucking truth? Isn't Definitely it? me and my scrub ass house, but that's fine. Anna Cordis can't afford the cocaine addictions and alcoholism. <laughs> Sorry. And the fucking BMWs. And the BMWs. But no, it was honestly, I didn't know what to expect because I didn't know anybody that had gone to the high school. You know, I never like heard any horror stories or anything. So I was just kind of very optimistic. Um, the first time I went through there was orientation. And so I had to get like enrolled and everything. And oh, I fucking remember. It's before school even starts <laughs> and you have to just, you have to get your picture taken mm-hmm. and it's so stressful and you see people talking to each other and when you're new, you're just like, oh my God, like, I don't know anybody. Right. Everybody's probably fucking talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you ain't that important. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> No, honestly, I was like, please don't fucking look at me. No, it was honestly, it was just kind of nerve wracking just having to like go through meeting people again and just... Starting from the bottom, pretty much, because I had my group of friends when I lived in Vancouver, and now I'm, like, got nobody. I mean, I had those couple of friends that I had from working at the pizza factory, so that really helps me kind of Yeah. Get well, well, sweetheart, I started shit. from the bottom, too, but now I'm a top, so oh. it all go. it's yeah. all up from here. Oh! <laughs> a little innuendo. Let's go. <laughs> I'm happy you understood that. I feel like anybody yeah. else would have been like, what? I don't get it. Yeah. You're like, you're on the fucking gay podcast right now. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. If you don't get these innuendos, don't listen. And if you don't know what an innuendo is, you're in- an idiot. Apparently, you don't know what an innuendo is. So, in continuing, you're at a new school. It's a different kind of thing. It's a different kind of world. So, what was that world like? How would you describe Anacortes High School to somebody that has never been there or never heard of it? Honestly, I say this like every time that I go to Anacortes, but I'm like, once I get off that bridge in Anacortes, it's just like an immediate wave of bad vibes. Like maybe it was just my personal experience that gave me that, but I just, it's a very rich white town, you know, and I feel like I had to kind of fit myself in with that standard. And so it was just every time I was there, I was just like, what the fuck even is this, you know? And it's like, everyone knows everybody's business, you know, like I could fucking fart and five minutes later the entire town would know about it's it. It's a small like, town mentality. Well, that goes to say, it's like when I first came out, I mean, I came out very publicly. It's It was immediate. Like my stepdad at the time, he was getting his hair cut and the fucking stylist thought that she had to say something about it. And it was shocking because it was just like, it traveled up right. and down. Like that's that, not the way that you wanted to explain yourself. No, I mean, not even that I had to explain myself, but it was kind of shocking that it, the news spread 
past the high school. Yeah. How I would describe Anacortis is Anacortis is fucking beautiful. I've talked about it multiple times. I do agree with on you different there. episodes, but you know that kind of phrase. It's like it's not where you travel; it's who you're traveling with. It's kind right. of the same thing where mm-hmm. it's like it's beautiful, but the people are. Um, what would I say? Not my taste. No. <laughs> Not my taste. Bad vibes. Savannah said, yeah, Savannah or Disciple Savannah the other time. She's like, no flavor. Um, yeah, no. Salt and pepper, that's it. Yeah, I just remember going to this new school and I came from a white trash town. Like, Cedar Woolley, yeah. hello. I'm living Girl, there right now. Girl, that's where I'd be living at too. So. <laughs> but I went to the high school there and the difference between Cedar Woolley High School and Anacortes High School was immediately the cars. Nobody was driving trucks, jacked up trucks that looked like they were on the verge of breaking down. People talked very, um, they enunciated perfectly. They were using a better, what the fuck is this? Yeah, they were using, they were using like better vocabulary. Like everything was just bougie. And I've talked to other people. Like I talked to somebody who lived in Oak Harbor and they were like, yeah, Anacortes is kind of like the place where like people go to like feed their drug addictions like coke and that's where alcoholics live god there's nothing to fucking do like everything is on one strip of town and what is that like the fucking bowling alley maybe i never fucking went to the bowling alley fuck me no well there's nothing there for food mainly gas fries and there is nothing to do there except just get in trouble and just do drugs so to cap sanny you can only go to the viewpoint so many but now that i live away from it i'm like oh my god it's beautiful it's like i've never been here before no i love going back to anacortes and just for the views just for the views and like the good company right and i honestly feel like every time i go to anacortes i never really run into anybody i went to high school with but like now kind of with me hanging out you know with some people from high school you know um, I feel like those people are kind of starting to trickle back into my life and I cannot not go to Anacortes and run into somebody like I just got my blood done like a couple of days ago, ran into somebody who was drawing my blood that I was in had school with like same grade. Oh my God. Yeah. Such a small fucking world. It is a small fucking world. Well, it's a small fucking town. Yeah. So when going to this new school, were you who you wanted to be or did you kind of look around and you kind of were like, well, fuck, I gotta, I gotta kind of conform yeah. to really fit in. I definitely felt like I had to, like I said, uphold this standard. And part of the reason why I moved up here in the first place is to start fresh and everybody wants to be popular you know and but start something new and it's like right. in this situation when you're moving to a new school you kind of get to depict a picture of who you want people to see right. you as exactly you can change so whoever who, you are who was that for you it's hard to explain i guess i still kind of did my own thing you know i still have my own personality but me you know having those friends that i did it kind of opened me up to a lot of different things a lot of shit a lot of shit i shouldn't have done in my life But uh, once I kind of broke through that first couple weeks, I was like, I'm just going to be chill. I'm just going to play it cool. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me. But at the same time, I was on the cheerleading team. So I kind of had to uphold that image as far as she was a cheerleader. Varsity. Oh, my God. Four years in a row. (laughs) oh fuck see i didn't even know that see okay so going to this new school i mean yeah going to any new school it's i mean i was on top behavior i was like yeah my name's jake and the funny thing is i don't know if you remember this i think this was before you got there but my sophomore year when i transferred from my old school people thought i was an undercover cop like i know i know shit you people were like no like 
steer clear of that dude like i definitely think he's an undercover cop because i look old as fuck you're just tall as fuck (laughs) no when i first met you i had no fucking idea you were gay i was like oh like he's cute you know (laughs) and then i did the t-rex arms i was like hey i know and i was like okay yeah well that's a friend right there i'm smelling a little faggot right now (laughs) (laughs) smelling a pile of sticks right now. who was your first friend who stepped to the who stepped up to the fucking plate Am I allowed to say her because she was a disciple? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Savvy G. Disciple Savvy G, yeah. She, we had the same math class and I used to like do my makeup all the time and eyebrows and, you know, whatever. But she came up to me and was like, your eyebrows are nice as fuck. And I was just like, oh my God. I love her. Always with the compliments. I know. And so we just like exchanged Snapchats and then we just hung out every day since then. And just so happened she was a stoner as well. So that kind of sparked no pun intended kind of sparked our friendship even more and then we were just hanging out all the time and she really stuck with me through me whole life up here so disciple savvy g um thank you yeah we love you we love you bitch you're a stable rock in my life so and taking us like through what was going on and like yeah it was a new school like it was kind of rocky shaky but was there ever a point where you were genuinely happy like you finally were getting in the groove of school you were starting to meet new people you were just like okay I belong here though coming to this school was not something I expected with everything that happened with the dude that you were seeing and everything like that and kind of being stuck here was there a point where you were like I've got this. Yeah, so after meeting that group of friends and then the friends that I had from Pizza Factory, I, like, went to those depot dances that you threw, you fucking yeah. clutch ass. Those were so much fun. I will remember those for the rest of my life. But That is my high school legacy, throwing parties that high schoolers could just act out their horniness and get all their <laughs> drug usage out of the way. Dance my ass off. But yeah, no. And going to those, I was like, this is so much fucking fun. I'm having so much fun. You know, I've got these new people to hang out with and we're hanging out and they're meeting, like they're introducing me to new people. So I feel like probably from like September through December, I was like, this is solid as fuck. Like I'm having a so like four time. months. Yeah. So that's good. Like there was finally a point where you were just like, I'm good. There's yeah. a reason that I'm here. I yeah. belong here. I was having a good time for sure. So in talking about that, when was the first subtle hint that things were going to go downhill? Like you might have not identified it, but there was something in the air, the energy, whatever you want to call it. There was just something not right that you knew in the long term would probably something was going to go down inevitably. It started with the first subtle hint you were talking about in our initial like interview you were talking about it was first of all the cheer team oh my gosh. it was me and you we had our little beef and you and disciple savannah started having your own little beef and then the final straw was <clears throat> there was a situation where you and all your friends were in a car together and you all got pulled over because there was hella drugs in the car so well, what happened in that situation oh my gosh we were actually on our way to savannah's birthday at our friend's house and we had we would have been fine but my brother was in the way back of the car and it's like a huge like suburban i think i'm not sure but um and i guess the cop behind us just like seen my brother flailing around in the back seat so that's why we got pulled over and then obviously when they came to the window they smelled weed and whatnot and um no my heart was racing and you guys all had to get out of the car I didn't know. We actually didn't get out of the car until the, the cop came back and was like, um, you guys are all free to go. 
you know, whatever. Really? Yeah. So we had that group chat for Savannah's birthday and I was sitting in the back seat and I'm like, fuck, like, what if they try to figure out where we got this alcohol from? What if they try to figure out like where we got this weed from? You know, so I left the group chat. I was actually invited to that birthday party. Yeah, I know. You were in the group chat. But I told Savannah, I was like, I'm not going to go because I know for a matter, because I knew who you guys were hanging out with. And I told her, I was like, I'm not going to go because some shit's going to go down. I felt like call me Raven from that. So Raven, I had a fucking vision <laughs> Raven Baxter. and when I rested my head, I took a little nap. I woke up at like 12 and I just see a swarm of messages from everybody. And I was like, without even opening, opening the messages, I was like, something happened. And I was like, I'm so yeah. thankful. I didn't go to that birthday before we even fucking got there too. Like, we were on our way there and shit went down and then it never happened. The cop pulls you over. There's drugs in the car. He smells the weed, but you guys don't have to get out of the car. No. So he pulls you- the driver out of the car and did all that with her and she ended up having to stay and we all were able to go. But at that time, I just like called my dad. I was like, dad, can you come pick me up? Like, So I'm going to bring up the allegations that were brought forth about you in this situation and specifically what was said. In quotes, she's a backstabbing snake who's only looking out for herself. Why were people thinking this? Why were they saying this? It was always resorted back to the Snapchat group. Why did you decide to leave the Snapchat group? So like I was saying, like I just had that thought in my head. And like when you're in that kind of situation, you just panic. Like everybody fucking panics. Your heart drops when you get pulled over. Your heart drops if you're going like five miles over and you see a fucking cop. Like you start to panic. And in my thought, in my head, I was like, I'm going to leave the group chat because what if they try to trace back where all this came from and where we were headed and like party and this and that? Like, I don't want anybody else to get in trouble. But for some fucking reason, everyone thought that I left because I didn't want to get in trouble. But in the long run, I was actually looking out for everybody else. And it's shitty that I got misconstrued that way. And me and you having our beef that we had, I just kind of helped gaslight it even more because you're Because it was just fuel, adding fuel to the fire. Yeah. And our beef, looking back at that, that was such... I mean, of course, petty bullshit high school drama yeah. that really doesn't... I don't even remember... You know how petty it was? I don't even remember what it was even about. Like, specifically, I yeah. it was pointless. I know what I said. I shouldn't have said, and it was out of line. But at that time, I thought that we were close enough, and I guess... I guess not. Oh, I fucking remember you little bitch. We were at cheer <laughs> we were at cheer practice together and I could not lift this bitch up and I was trying so what was it called when you're trying to like lift somebody up on your one hand and you're trying to like balance them. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't remember what the fucking technical term for it was, but I couldn't lift this bitch up. And this bitch (laughs) that had a lot to say about me the other day in the fucking press, Biddy, what's good? Um, (laughs) She made a a strewed, I don't even know if that's a word, a strewed, (laughs) a strewed comment. And I bitched this burst. I bitched you out in front of literally everybody. And then I walked out like a little bitch. You're like, what the fuck? Like, why the fuck would you say that? And I was like, oh my God, I did not I fucked with the wrong go- I was like, I did not mean for it to go like that. Oh my God. You're like, I'm just joshing around. Well, I know. And then you're like, well, it's not fucking funny. Like freaking out. And I was like, okay, well, I don't I'm think sorry. I've ever... I'm not going to say the word hate, but I think in that moment, I don't think I've ever hated somebody as much as I hated you. Like, you were the only person that I was like, I want her to fucking, like, suffer. Oh, my God. Well, bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, no, I was just for that. And I think the RB lasted, like, two months or something. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and then I was just like, can I talk to you? Yeah. And, and FaceTimed we were... you and was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't sorry. mean anything. <laughs> And then look at us now, bitch. Like, it never happened. I mean, it was a high school shit. Right. High school shit really does not matter. Adults can work their way through 
petty situations. Well, sometimes. and if you ever meet somebody that's still holding on to stuff through high school, like they've got bigger issues and you mm-hmm. should not be around that person. Right. A lot of people are going to think, even though you just said that the Snapchat group, I was just trying to protect. Do you, do you ever like kind of understand what their side of the story was where oh, it's like, absolutely. she was just trying to protect herself. Right. Well, and me being the new girl, you know, you always need somebody to blame in a situation like that. And I think, you phrased it really well with saying, like, I was the weakest link, you know? And so blame gets pointed at me. But at the same time, I do understand, like, people thinking that I left the group chat to only save myself, which is really fucking shitty because at the end of the day, I was literally looking out for everybody else but myself. Like, I called my dad and got my ass chewed when I got home. So after this happened and going back to, you know, school, I mean, fucking Monday morning, what was that like? And besides Monday morning going to school, like, what was the conversations like with people that were in that car and people that weren't even in that situation? Because my friendship was so strong with the driver, I like reached out to him and was like, hey, like I didn't mean to cause all this shit. Like I wasn't doing anything out of ill intent, you know, and we were on fine terms. Like she was like, no, it's fine. Like I understand, you know, shit happens. And so the fact that she was kind of like okay with what happened and accepted my apology, I kind of felt like I didn't really owe an explanation to anybody else and I didn't feel like I needed to bow my head down because, I don't know, I had my close group of friends who knew what happened and the truth behind what happened and so I feel like that just kind of, I just brushed it off my shoulders and just moved on. But even though you're trying to move on, did it ever settle down or did the dust ever settle? Well, I feel like it slowly started to trickle down. I mean, I was still friends with everybody. I mean, shit happens. Do you think in everybody, in the back of everybody's brain, it was kind of like, this happened, forgive and forget, but we'll always kind of, you'll always be stamped with this kind of memory. I mean, I definitely know that people are going to perceive me a little different if there's a rumor going around that I'm some snake-ass backstabbing bitch, but I don't know. I do my best to try and not let things get to me, but I definitely do think about it sometimes, like what could have went differently, but it's not, it wasn't like a huge trademark in my life as far as my time in Anacortes, you know. But it did, but in saying that it did continue to the thing that we're going to be talking about later through, throughout this interview where it just, it kind of, it settled, but it followed you almost like a snake would follow you before it bites you. Did you lose anybody? Did you lose any friends after this? Well, me and you, (laughs) me and you were already not friends. So I feel like that kind of intensified your reason of not wanting to be my friend anymore. So I was kind of worried about that. But I don't know, me and Sav were still really close. Me and the driver were still friends doing whatever, shooting the shit. But I mean, I don't, I never really like associated with enough people to kind of figure out how they felt about me. I mean, there was a couple of people that apparently for some fucking reason, throwing smoothies and milkshakes at people's cars and houses was a thing. I don't fucking know oh why. Oh my God, I remember that. Like, what the fuck even is that? Why would you ever waste your fucking milkshake I remember people on were house? getting full milk sh- or milkshake in their car yeah. and fucking yeah. up everything. Well, yeah, but there was a girl that was involved in the group chat, which is like the one fucking person that probably, you know, kind of irritated me. But she said that like one time she wanted to throw a McFlurry at my front door. It's just like... Like, why the fuck? Like, what is that going to do? I'll wash it off and move on. Like, I don't give a I'll fuck. I'll eat it. I'm fucking hungry. I know. I was actually thinking about it. I was like, oh, like you, just leave it on the front door. You should actually, like, get two for me. Yeah, right? Maybe I'll leave an extra one. And continuing the progression of this story, things were kind of shaky. Think This situation was still kind of following you. So, in continuing this conversation, there was somebody that you officiated a friendship with, and that's when people started to become a little bit worried about what was going on in your life, because no shade to this group of people or this specific person, but these people, this specific 
specific person had definitely a reputation for having a very hard home life, heavy drug usage, and people became very worried. So why did you, how did this friendship start and why? This girl that I know you're talking about, um, I met her at the KFC Taco Bell because that's where she was working. And oddly enough, she was like my first girl crush ever. Hashtag why I'm on this fucking show. So I was just kind of like, oh, like, let's just hang out, you know, and they were all smoking too. And so I was just like, we're just going to hang out with them. And um, my main friend who was the driver in that pullover situation, she was really good friends with her too. So we would all just hang out, you know, and then um, I don't know, it was just kind of shaky, I guess. I felt like I was in a bad environment but at the end of the day, like, it's kind of how I am, how I am now with the man that I'm with. But the situation was kind of rough. Um, we would just kind of prioritize hanging out with our friends and smoking and partying and stuff and just hanging out with everybody. And so I really started to, like, fall out of school, started not going anymore. Um, I would skip class to go hang out with these people. By no means, this was probably not any type of group I'd want my child hanging out with. <laughs> But do you feel like this was kind of the group that just embraced you and didn't judge yeah. you or didn't care? Because they all had reputations. Definitely. No, I definitely think that when you surround yourself with people who have been through worse things than you have, you kind of feel like you have more of a place in the friendship because people understand you more and they understand how you, you can be misconstrued and whatnot if you don't have such a stable background. Like... I was still so new. It was maybe like a year into me living there. And so it was just nice to have people who have been through shit themselves to try to understand what I was going through at the time. So I definitely think that it was a good environment for my mentality. Maybe not so much my education and future, but... This group really did kind of initiate because when all this shit was going down, you kind of were just like, fuck this. Like, fuck these people. Like, I'm done with the drama. I'm done with this narrative that you're trying to paint for me i want to go hang out with people that have don't give a fuck don't give a fuck have also horrible like narratives that people Mm -hmm. have painted of them but they don't judge each other for it exactly do you ever regret though being involved influenced by the this new group of people and what happened you know following this Um, I feel like I don't ever really regret anything because it's kind of who I am now and it shaped me to be who I am now. I do regret not applying myself in schools because I'd probably be a lot smarter than I am now, which would be kind of nice. But, um, no, I never really regret it because like I always say, like without my past, I wouldn't be who I am now. And without the way things played out, I wouldn't be where I am, who I am, what I'm doing. Just being grateful for what you've been through. So during this situation, during these life events, did you ever look at yourself in the mirror and kind of think to yourself, who the fuck am I? Like what's happening in my life? I have no control over what's going on right now. What people are saying about me, how my life is turning up. Like what was that? Kind of like would sit there and kind of think about how my life was when I lived in Vancouver and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm a completely fucking different person, you know, for the better or worse. It's hard to tell almost because I did have a good life when I lived in Vancouver, but I don't feel like I was living my life to my full extent because there's a reputation down there. There's a lot of rich kids down there, popularity, whatever. And so then I'm like sitting here and I'm like, wow, I'm really doing whatever the fuck I want. Like, it's kind of what I wanted in a sense. But at the same time, I don't know. I just would sit there and be like, why did I get affiliated with different substances and like nothing too crazy? I mean, but uh, I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? 
you know, I'm dropping out of school. Well, I'm failing out of school. I never dropped out, but I was just like, I got to get my shit together. Yeah. Definitely had that moment where I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? Well, and that was kind of like pointing me. It was just like the route your life was going. Were you ever ashamed? Like, did you ever try to come up with like, okay, we got to get our shit together. Like, this is what we're going to do. Or did you kind of say that and it just never played out how you wanted it to? I feel like once I met my current boyfriend, I feel like that's kind of what made me want to change the most is because I had a pretty rough living environment for a while there at the end of my high school years. And I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. But in order for me to move in with my boyfriend, I had to have a job and I think I had to graduate or something. Like I just had to be going to school and I had to have a job. And so I... And what was going on at home? Well, it was just an abundance of different things. Um, my dad was getting a divorce. He He's a stoner as well. I mean, like, that's kind of where I get mm-hmm. it from. But, you know, like, when you're coming down from your high, you're just kind of like, fuck everything. Like, just anger, I guess. I don't know, but... And did he ever I, take that out on you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... Not so much physical aggression, but he's definitely gotten in my face several times. Like, I've left and ran away, and he's said very mean, nasty things to me, especially when I was starting to kind of lose myself in school. He would be like, why can't you just fucking do something with your life? Like, you're never going to graduate if you go to CAP. Like, you know, you're going down the wrong path, which is interesting for someone to fucking say, considering they never graduated high school. Do you think he was projecting it at, like, his vulnerable moments? I think it was kind of like he knows what he could have done in order to graduate himself and maybe build a better life for himself. So I feel like he tries to push that onto me, but in an aggressive way. And so instead of him like really trying to put that image in my head that like I need to succeed, it was more like him just kind of telling me what I need to fucking do and what I need to not do and almost like bullying me into wanting to be successful and whatnot so that he could be like, oh, well, my kids are successful, but I like grew up and had a rough past and whatnot. So backtracking with everything that is happening to this point, you find yourself in this kind of new friend situation with these new people who don't judge you, though they're not the best influence. And that's when you really start seeing a drastic change with not only yourself, your grades, your relationships, but during this time, your relationship with your father is struggling because he's abusive. He's also getting a divorce. All this chaotic shit is literally going on. What was the cushion for you where you could just breathe? Well, in the midst of all this, we went to, me and my friends went to a depot dance. And I'd met this guy who happened to be my ex-boyfriend's friend. But no, we met up and we were just like talking all night, whatever, went to an after party together. And then things just really went up from there. And he was extremely supportive, still is. Um, Just a best friend, listened to what I had to say and like really cared about me. And so he was definitely the cushion during all of this. Like that was my getaway house. Like just hang out with him and just forget everything else that was going on at home. So your dad was in a relationship before with your mom. And then he was also getting a divorce from this other woman. Why do you think his relationships 
I don't want to say fail, but just we're not working out. Was he so like, what was his part in those relationships failing? And did that have to correlate with why your guys's relationship was not doing the best? Well, I feel like my dad has like a very certain way of doing things and things have to go his way and things have to be planned out. And like with women, we're kind of like, why are you so fucking controlling? Why does everything have to be the way that you want it to be? Why can't we do this? You know? And so that definitely conflicted with my mom because when I read be like in trouble, she'd be like, Oh, you're just like your father, you know? I hate when they say that. I know. That shit. I'm like, bitch, I am fucking half of the both of you, so don't even get me started. I'm like, call me the whore on the side of the street. Do not compare me to one of my parents. Right. Thank you. Like, especially a man. Ugh. I know. <laughs> I think the worst like if anybody ever like this happens so many times to me where somebody will be like, Oh my god, you look just like your dad. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Karen. Shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> you're like, what dad? <laughs> You mean my three daddies? Oh, well, that's a compliment. Right. Okay. Well, I'll take that one. That one's I'll take fine. that. Thank you. So for the next part of the story, and I know you're probably shaken and you're probably a little nervous to actually start talking about this, but I feel like this will be a really good way for you to finally tell your side of the story the right way and let this all go and let this be a true healing experience for you yeah. and to truly just set the record straight at once so the next part of the story is the hardest one because this one did come with an ending a young man did lose his life a life that had promise and one that ended too soon before he was actually able to live it this was a god-awful accident in this situation there were many casualties to truly start the story i want you to close your eyes and open them immediately and just tell me where you were and start from there and how that day went so i woke up at my boyfriend's house and we were it was just like a normal day you know and we were like well let's just go to the mall because we were just you know there's nothing else to fucking do in this town and um we ended up running into a few of my friends the said group that we were talking about earlier and we were all just like well what are we doing tonight Like, what are you guys doing? Let's all hang out because we had been hanging out a lot previous with all of our group. Um, And so we just made plans. And then we went over to our friend Darren's house and was just shooting the shit for a little bit. And then we headed to Anacortis. And while we were there, there was all of us, all of the people that were involved in the accident, uh, except for one important detail in the story, asked us to come pick him up. So we went to go pick up this scum and he was drunk. And we came back to our friend's house because it was like maybe a couple blocks down the road. And so one of our other friends said that he needed to go back to his house to grab his bag or like grab a change of clothes or something and some more weed. So my boyfriend offered to drive. And initially I was supposed to go in the car with them. Me and one of the other kids' girlfriends were supposed to go with them and it would just be us five. But then Scum had the great idea to be like, no, boys trip, boys trip, like just the boys, whatever. So I was like, oh my God, okay, whatever. And my boyfriend had a pretty nice car at the time. He drove an Acura RSX, like, straight pipe. Damn. Hella nice. I'm wet. <laughs> right? That's how I felt. So, obviously, boys are boys, and they're like, oh, like, let's check out the subs. Like, let's smash their gear. Like, whatever the fuck else. And so... They drove to the friend's house to get what they needed to or whatever, and then Scum decided to have this great idea of fucking taking a back road on Marine Drive, where my boyfriend had never been before. He's this not is, from this area. For anybody that doesn't know, Anacortes has a front side and a back side where all the little windy roads are. Yeah. That's where they were. Yeah, and so... 
boyfriend's not familiar with the area, doesn't know where the fuck he's going, you know, and so Scum is kind of the backseat driver in the passenger seat. <laughs> but, um, and so they get on to Marine Drive. I'm sure anybody that's listening to this would probably fucking know what I'm talking about, but it goes from like 40 to like 25, I guess, if you're going from like where Deception passes and go that way through it. He was going like 40 something, I think, and Scum was like, oh, you can just, like, drive through the middle of the roads. Like, these roads are really shitty out here. Like, I know the roads. It's okay. Like, just drive in the middle, you know? And so they're apparently driving down the middle of the fucking road on a windy road, and a deer jumps out on the right side of them. So he swerves into whichever lane, swerves into the other lane, and then goes to correct himself and get back over to where he was, and then he hit a pothole and spun out and hit the tree, which is, you know, which is what fucking happened. I don't know... I know you're going to get into it later, but there is so much talk and so much bullshit lies that have been told about this car accident, and I just want everyone to know what really fucking happened, considering I was actually there, and, um, yeah, no, he... And we, and we will get to that, because right. there was so much... I mean, that's the dangerous part about playing telephone, especially in a small town, where it's like... You could take she the just most. Anacortes in general. Well, you could genuinely just say like, I don't even know. Like a good example of this would be like he rode his bike, and then by the time that gets to the thirtieth person, he rode his bike into a gang of hookers, and he snorted coke off their titties. Like that's yeah, that's exactly. kind of anacortes. So in catching up us up to what happened, you're still at the place. Did yeah. you? And I know I asked you this. Did you ever get like a bad vibe, like with the timing, and? you know, anything. And it's like, you also did get a call. Yeah. But not from your boyfriend. Right. So I was sleeping on the couch and I kind of woke up and I was like, it's been a long time, you know, like what the fuck, what the fuck are they doing? You know, it can't take that long. And then all of a sudden it says, my boyfriend's calling me. So I answer it and it's not my boyfriend. It's the scum that we talk about. And he's like, hey, like, we don't have a car right now. We're out on Marine Drive by one of our other friend's house. Um, Can you come pick us up? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean you don't have a car? What? Like, what's going on? And he was like, we just don't have a car. Like, just come pick us up. Like, we're out on Marine Drive. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? Okay. Because in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, they had weed in the car. Like, they're driving at night. Maybe they got pulled over and the car got impounded or something. I don't even but why know. why was he not telling you what was going on? Because he's a shady ass fucking person. Who doesn't care about anybody but himself? Talk about a snake ass, backstabbing ass bitch. This. And we will get into that individual later in the story. So I want you to take us through as if I was living it. So you get the call, you're immediately driving to where they said they were. What was the very first thing that you saw? I just remember driving and they were kind of like walking towards the car or walking towards the car that we were in because the car obviously that they were in was crushed, like about to fucking fall off a cliff. And so they were like just walking towards us so that we could see where they were. And we pulled over and I'm just remember, I'm just like, what the fuck just happened? And nobody said anything. And I'm like, can anybody tell me what the fuck just happened? Like, why are you being so quiet about it? What the fuck is going on? Where's, you know, the other two people? And at this point, your heart is beating like a thousand fucking right. miles an I'm hour. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? No, I got over there so fucking fast in that car. Like when they called me and told me to come over there, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but it seems like an emergency. So I'm hauling ass and I'm already scared i'm shaking fucking so bad and then we pull up and 
obviously I'm like in a state of panic. I don't know what the fuck is going on. My boyfriend is like cold white, can't say a fucking word, shaking, like looks like he does like a deer in headlights. And I just remember getting out of the car and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then they told me what happened. And I was like, okay, like, why the fuck, what are you doing, you know? And so I, like, pull out my phone to call the police, and at this time, Scum is so fucking, like, he's been drunk all night, which drunk people in car accidents are usually the most calm. That's why they get the least injuries is because they don't tense when they crash, and so for him to just be so nonchalant about everything and just be like, no, nobody's calling the police, like... And I think it's really important in this situation you talk about every the whole picture of what everybody in this situation was doing so i think i'm pretty sure it was just me and the kid who passed girlfriend that were outside of the car and then our other two friends were still in the car that we drove up in and i'm like what the fuck like i'm calling the police like what you know and of course this scum guy was like on probation had you know several different charges and stuff and so he was like nobody's calling the police like we're not getting the law involved this and that this and that and when you're under that much pressure and someone is screaming in your fucking face telling you what to do when you yourself don't even know what to do you kind of just try to do whatever you can under the circumstances to try and figure out what to do and help as much as you can like no matter how drastic it sounds you know because there was there was conversation that he was taking the license plates off the car Mm -hmm. and he was taking people's phones did people how the fuck did he pry your phone i mean it's the 21st century no one's touching my fucking phone how did he get your your phone out of your hands well it's kind of hard to explain because like initially he did take my phone and was like nobody's calling the police and he's kind of snatched it out of my hand and then i was like well can i use my fucking phone for a flashlight if i'm gonna have to fucking help these people like give me my fucking phone back and at that point i was just so dead set on trying to help everybody else and one of the kids came to and got out of the car like before we even got there and so he was down in like the trees and like you know marine drive like there's the hill of trees to your right or your Mm -hmm. left or whatever and there's like houses down on the water well i hear like a rustling in the trees and i'm like what the fuck and then i like look around and i'm like oh shit you know where's this other person so i walked down the driveway that was right next to where the crash was and i found one of our friends and like wrapped him around my arm on my shoulder and I was like can you hear me are you okay are you okay like what's going on can you hear me and so I went and took him up to the car that we drove there in and I was like just sit here like we're gonna get you to the hospital like are you okay you know just trying to make sure that he was still okay and wasn't you know and in this fucking time this scum person is literally ripping the license plates off of my boyfriend's car As if a car doesn't have a fucking VIN number, as if there's no way to track back this fucking car of who the driver is. And, like, my boyfriend is just, like, shaking, trying to help me as much as he can because he doesn't know what the fuck to do. Because he's in total shock. And in the midst of all this, shitty enough, his fucking phone dies. There's that little detail in there. And then we get back and I hadn't even known that he ripped the license plates off until like later on that night when everything was already over with. And so I got one of the people into the car. Scum is doing whatever the fuck he's doing. And did he, he tried to flee the scene, didn't he? Oh yeah, no. No, talk about that because in the charges it was, it was like a A hit and run. run. Yeah. Why? So when they crashed, well, I wasn't there, so I don't have, you know, 
as much perspective, I guess. You just have the testimony from right. your boyfriend, though. So when they crashed, Scum was like, I'm not going to jail, like, this and that, whatever. Grabbed all his shit and took off down that driveway that was um, next to the crash. And so my boyfriend chased after him. He was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, we're going to go to jail. Like, we need to go. Like, we need to get help. What are you doing? What are you doing? And so I think... Because in that, like, maybe five-minute time period that they weren't at the car, they considered it hit-and-run for obvious reasons. I mean, I think the reason they dropped that charge was because, you know, we did come back. And, like, we did do what we could to help people. And, like, obviously, I mean, I tell myself this every single fucking day, but if I could go back, like, everything would have been different. None of that shit would have ever happened, you know? It's just that young, young panic mindset that I was in, I guess. But, um, yeah, so after... When Scum was taking the license plates off, I was just like, okay, well, what are we going to do with this poor kid? Like, we have to help him. We have to get him to the hospital. And so... Because the the kid was still in the car. Yeah. Was he the only one that was left in the car? Yeah. So he was still in the car. So I ran down the driveway and like up through the trees to get onto the other side of the car to open the door so I could like help him out, you know? So... And it was a coupe. Like, it was a two-door car. Like, it was... It was just a mess. Everything was a mess. I don't even... Ugh. But so we tried to get him out of the car and they had him by like the arms and legs and I was underneath him like on his back so that he would be laying straight. We get him into the car and at that point there's like our other two friends, the kid's girlfriend and then our other friend that was the one that I put in the car originally. Mm-hmm. And like we set him in the car and his neck was like pushed up against our other friend and I'm like you guys got to fix his neck, got to fix his neck and so I'm like trying to maneuver him so he's not all kinked. And then I was like just take him to the hospital um and I ended up staying there because A there wasn't enough room in the car and B I'm like what the fuck out my like what is happening so before we continue the story i'm gonna read the allegations <laughs> brought forth against you yeah and the situation and you will be allowed to set the record straight with each and every single one of them so are you ready for the first one? Oh, i'm so ready so the very first allegation was that you called your dad because he had access to a tow truck and that you in many ways were just calling him to cover up the scene so the cops would not find it that this would be a situation where this was just a shitty night that happened but you guys all gotta walk away clean from it how do you respond to that so i definitely can see why people would think that i would call the tow truck just to get you know the car out of there so no one would see it and nobody would figure out what the fuck happened but that was not my intention whatsoever one i was calling my dad because i needed a fucking ride to the hospital and two i called my dad because this car was literally holding on by a limb like about to fall off the fucking cliff and so i'm like i need to get this car off of the road like it's gonna crash down through these trees and it'll just be so much worse so that was my thought never once in my mind was like oh i need to cover this up because i'm trying to save this scummy ass's like back no I could give a shit less and it was just obviously from an outside perspective and having that bad reputation that I did as it already was obviously people are gonna start coming up with crazy shit to say and from how it looks on an outside perspective like no it doesn't look good at all but it's like also another thing to think about is like y'all are kids it's like in the same situation who do you look for when in times of trouble you're caught you're like mommy daddy like please come help me like i need you i don't know what i'm doing i'm over my head so for people to take that situation and misconstrued it to that kind of level it's like bro she was calling her dad because that's the only person that she could trust at this time right and the tow truck yeah the the fucking car 
car was literally about to run itself off the cliff. You need to get it out of the road. Right. So the second one. So there was also talk that you guys dropped this said person off with the severe injuries as a Jane Doe and walked away like nothing happened. That one actually really gets to me because... We weren't even there. My boyfriend and I and this scum person weren't even in the car, weren't even at the hospital when he got dropped off. So for that, I have no idea about how he was dropped off because it was those five people in the car that took him to the hospital. Like, I wasn't there at all, which is just ridiculous because people have conjured up such a crazy story, but like, I wasn't even fucking there, you know? How could I drop somebody off if I was still on Marine Drive? Well, did you actually try to go see him? Yeah, so after I had called my dad, I was like, okay, well, I need to get to the hospital and I'm not about to fucking walk from Marine Drive to the hospital. That's a fucking mob. Yeah, and so we had somebody come pick us up and took us to the hospital and when we got there the kid's girlfriend's girlfriend and her mom were walking out and was like nobody can see him right now you know we can't go in there this and that so i was like okay shit you know and so we got in a car with them and you know the girl and her mom and stuff and we went over to the hotel that the kid's dad was like a manager at and we tried to call his dad like immediately and we were like you know we didn't really have any other option i didn't have any of his information um i just he needed to know obviously he needed to fucking know and so we called him and told him and you guys called before the hospital even did yeah I called him and told him everything. I called his sister and told her everything. His mom, like, well, his stepmom, I guess. So you were trying to make things right. Well, I mean, yeah, given the circumstances and the position I'm in, there was only so much I could do to try and straighten everything out. But obviously I was like, his parents need to know this and that, you know. After that, we'd gone back to my house and my boyfriend got his phone charged and immediately called the police. Like, immediately. There was, like, four cop cars at my house at, like, two in the morning. We went out there, gave our statements. My boyfriend went to the hospital to take a blood test, which came back negative for fucking everything. Well, and that's the other thing about him. I'm gonna ask. The huge, huge thing that was said was that your boyfriend was on Xanax. I just think that's so fucking ridiculous because Xanax never played a factor in our relationship. None of us, neither of us were doing Xanax. None of us were even thinking about it. Like the fact that it was Xanax of all fucking things that they could have came up with was just ridiculous because it's absolutely false. And you have proof that he wasn't intoxicated Yeah, because when the cops did take him away from the home, they did made him do the drug test at the hospital. He came back. Yeah, he literally if, came back. If he that was night. intoxicated, he would have been arrested. Yeah, no, he would have went to jail that day, drunk, off Zans, off weed, off fucking anything. He would have been gone. That's so, a DUI. To with- clear the record straight. Your boyfriend was one hundred percent sober. One hundred percent sober, and that's why he didn't get charged with a higher charge. That's why shit played out the way that it did, and like that's why he has the sentence that he has is because he was sober like that's why he's the one that picked up the scum that's why he's the one that fucking drove everybody is because he was sober and i know that like some of the other kids were also sober but at the same time like my boyfriend was the designated driver ultimately at the end of the day and so it just it doesn't piece together correctly because 
rumors are being spread all throughout fucking school and everyone thinks that they know a little bit of piece of information about something and so they just piece together this absolutely fucking ridiculous story and if these people would actually take a second and think like oh my god like if he was drunk he would have already been gone if he was drunk like they would have arrested but him. but it's not a fun night. story to play with though right well and at the same time like even if the kid hadn't passed away, my boyfriend still would have been charged with a DUI. And DUIs, you get arrested that night and you go into jail that night. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's just ridiculous. It's but. annoying, but we have two more allegations. Okay, let's hear them. So the fourth one, you guys moved the body and that is why this individual died. If you would have left him, he'd still be alive today. So how would you well, respond to that? I mean, ultimately... I can definitely agree, you know, I feel like maybe if we, obviously, obviously by the grace of God, had things gone out how everyone thinks that they should have and how ultimately it should have went, I, I'm sure that he would probably still be with us today. Just for that urgency of, you know, getting him there and getting everything settled out with the way that shit played out that night, which it's hard for me to talk about because, like, I give my two cents and for some people that may not be enough to hear because ultimately everyone in the back of their mind is like, why the fuck would you do that? Why wouldn't you call the police? Why wouldn't you do this? And, like, I ask myself that question every single fucking day of my life. Like, why didn't I do this? Why... Why, like, what, where could he be now if he was still with us? Where would things be at if none of this ever went down? So ultimately, I can agree that, yeah, probably had we not tried to move him out of the car, his injuries wouldn't have been as severe. I mean, obviously, he still had very severe injuries from just the crash initially. But with us trying to carry him, obviously, it's gonna do something if your body is already injured and you move them it's gonna do something but I didn't have like any first aid training I didn't have anything I didn't know what the fuck to do I was just like I just need to get him to the hospital and so I'm sure that had we not moved him he would be in a better condition than he was and be in a better state than he was but the injuries from the blunt force trauma would have still you know, had things play out a certain way, but I, I don't never, know. I but know. that was the sad part. It's just like looking at that situation and people were just like, I would have done this. It's like, right. it's you like weren't, you don't know, you don't know. Do. You're... when you're, when you have that fight or flight moment, your heartbeat is literally racing a thousand miles an hour. Like you don't really know. So fifth one, why didn't you call the cops? You would have gotten the good Samaritan. And I guess that, falls back on to the panic and having someone who is known for being aggressive and has many different things on his record having someone like that be like the big guy on campus and try to call the shots it's just you already don't know what to do and for someone to be screaming in your face like I don't know about you guys but I get anxiety when I'm like already fucking battling my own thoughts and emotions and someone else is like screaming at me telling me what to do I'd panic as anybody would you know yeah it was a big fucking mess it was a fucking mess it was awful everything about it was just awful like i don't even know how else to explain it but i think you've done an amazing job and the fact that you're able to have this kind of conversation right now is very impressive i mean i just in the back of my mind i don't want to sound like a bitch but like 
I feel like I never really needed to explain myself of what happened because all of these people already have their allegations of me and if they're gonna think that then like I can't let it get to me but at the same time I'm very thankful to be here so I can just get it all out one last fucking time and whoever wants to hear it can listen to this instead of like meeting me on a more personal level and hearing my side of the story you know well and the reason I thought it was so important to interview you because it's like this happened years ago Years but I'm ago. still hearing shit about it. Oh my it. god! Every and day of my even life. when I hear the allegations, and even when I'm like, "That's not what happened. Like that's that's totally false. It's in one ear and out the other." So, in having this amazing opportunity to actually interview you, I was just like, "Bitch, set the record fucking straight." <laughs> Honey, I was just like, call these motherfuckers out. Make them feel like absolute shit about themselves for adding to this, adding to this shit storm. Right. All the allegations, you have perfectly described what happened. And I thank you for that. Thank you for explaining that. Oh, absolutely. you had to return back to school. Take me through that. That was really, really fucking rough because... The people that were involved in the car accident, the one injured and the one who was severely injured were pretty known. Like, the one that was injured is pretty much known by fucking everyone. And so, for him to have all these other friends and obviously hear different parts of different stories of what happened, you know, it was just kind of like everyone was fucking looking at me. Everyone was, like, hearing these awful things about me and just, like, I felt like someone was watching me everywhere I fucking turned. And I would just keep my head down and I was, like, honestly, depression was very alive. I ended up finding my way out I was failing a few classes and was talking with my counselors about my different options. And so they offered me this open doors program at Skagit. So I was like, boom, let's go. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I didn't let it kind of soak in too much because I was like, I'm leaving. I need to just get away. And it wasn't so much as like, oh, she's fleeing from, you know, all these allegations. Oh, she's just leaving to get away from it. But that's what was happening though, because... Out of everything that was happening, it was clear that what was taking place, even if you weren't aware of it, because when these allegations started coming up front, your name was always mentioned. And then after a certain amount of time, who is the weakest link? You were the weakest link because these people had grown up with each other. You had just gotten there. You were you were easy. I mean, I hate to say you were easy prey. Yeah. Something where everybody could take out their frustration because that's what humans do. Right. Our, something in our life is going horrible. We need to blame it on something. And unfortunately, in your case, it was you. Pretty fuck those people. I'm, I'm just going to like say, saying. fuck those motherfuckers. Yeah. Anna Cordes, fuck you guys. You guys are fucking impish bitches. Yeah. Can I get an amen? A fucking men, Impish brother. motherfucking bitches. Get A the fuck out of here. fucking men. Damn, like just hearing, we've had this conversation, like doing the initial interviews, but hearing this right now, like I'm like fueled up. I'm just Isn't like, I kind of want that town to imagine burn. Imagine my <laughs> everyday fucking life, like just hearing all these crazy things. And I'm like, how can you take such like Jurassic rumors and information and try and like piece them together like that? kind of hear this information and roll with it because they don't have any fucking other information from anybody else who was, you know, in this situation. Nobody wanted to hear your side of the story. Like, usually when the situation happened, whenever there's a rumor of any kind of sort, I mean, in high school, out of high school, I go to the source. I don't give a fuck what these other people are saying. But in your situation, it didn't fucking matter what you were saying because nobody believed you. Right. And once you have such a strong, like, such a severe rumor like that, like, even if you did hear someone's perspective of, like, them going through it and their, 
like point of view of everything that happened, you still don't even want to believe them because it is such a crazy thing. You're like, why would someone just make this up? There was a rumor that I think about to this fucking day because it is just so absolutely ridiculous. But there was a rumor that my boyfriend owed this person money. And so he crashed the car. Like, who the fuck even... How does that even happen? That's what I'm saying. Like, where do you guys conjure up this most bullshit lies? Well, and who's the dumbass who actually believed it? That's what I'm saying. Like, and it sucks because me, I was already new. I was already, you know, somebody that nobody really knew. And then to put my boyfriend in the mix, because he's from Mount Vernon. Nobody in fucking Anacortes knows who he was, you know? And so they're going to be like, oh, like, nobody knows him, you know, like, nobody knows what he's like. But, like, for the people that actually have had the chance to meet my boyfriend and know who he is and know what he's like, you would never in a million years expect him to be the one that was put in that situation. He's just a blessing, all in all. And um, it's just weird for people to, like, make up some dumb shit about people that they don't even know about. But I feel like that's why they did that is because nobody knew him. Nobody knew what he'd so done. It was nobody easy. knew anything. You right. guys were easy. You guys were ideal prey. Yeah. Easy targets as fuck. To create a juicy fucking narrative because people are still talking about it. When it felt like the world was closing on you, I've been in this situation where it really does feel like the world is saying, fuck you. Right. You're getting no help. No one's reaching out. <clears throat> right. Did you ever think about suicide or have any suicidal aspirations um i mean my depression was definitely strong like you know it's hard to even explain or even talk about because like it takes me back to those feelings and like i was so confused and like in my head but at the end of the day i never i've never really thought about suicide or anything like that just because I am, like, really passionate about life, you know? And so I was just kind of like, you know, whatever. It's just a storm. We'll get through it. But in that time, in that specific situation, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I've got the entire world on my shoulders right now. But then I would, like, look over and see my boyfriend and I'm like, fuck. Like, imagine how bad he has it right now. So it was just kind of like, yeah, I'm struggling really bad and I'm hurting because not only is my boyfriend in the situation, but I just lost a friend. Like, Well, and, and during the situation, he was still in a coma. Yeah. How long was he in a coma? I think it was like a month and a, like a month and maybe two weeks or something like that. What was it like and where were you when they finally decided to take him off life support? I just remember I was actually getting back from cheer practice, but I was at a friend's house and um, one of my friends had called me and, or well, she had just been keeping me updated about what was going on because she was involved in it. She kept me up to date about everything. So she told me that, you know, they were going to take him off life support or whatever. And I just remember making my way back to Anacortes and I just tried to call my boyfriend, definitely let him know first, but it's so hard to like tell that kind of information to people through the phone when it's so strong like that. So I'd gone back to our friend's house and told the girlfriend of the kid what happened. And we all just kind of like broke down and cried together and just like all sat there together. And then um, we all met up and just kind of mourned, I guess, just kind of Um, all sat there and we're like, what the fuck? Like, because a lot of people were probably just like in shock at that point. It's just the whole situation, like, to this day, I'm still like, what the fuck? Like, how how did this happen? 
Like, how does this happen in someone so young's life? Yeah, I don't know. I just sat there and pretty much cried for hours. And it was always hard because I was, like, the one that was, like, the strong person of the group and, like, tried to help everybody else out. But then, like, when I was at my house by myself, like, I was bawling. I was crying. I was, like, going through so much in my head. But then when I'm out with other people, I have to, like, put on this facade that I'm fine and, like, I can help everybody else and heal everybody else. But then when I'm alone, I'm completely broken down. From him being taken off life support... How long until the court proceedings started? Because of what you were telling me, this was a long process. Yeah, it was over a year. Over a year until we got the initial charge in the mail. And then we got um, we got a lawyer. You could say that it probably took a long time because, I mean, the parents just, they were trying to just mourn. Right. Well, and obviously with the circumstances, of course, they're going to push for high charges, push for high suing rates and whatever else. So we were just kind of like, it's been long awaited. Like I'm tired of waiting for this, you know, like we're finally getting it over with. Did you guys know it was coming though? Oh yeah. I mean, obviously there was, how did that affect your life though? It was, it honestly kind of almost boosted our relationship because in my mind I was like, you know, like shit is going to hit the fan at some point and shit is going to go down. So like, I need to cherish this time Mm -hmm. and we've done so much, so many adventures, so many good memories. And so it's like during that time, of course, there was still that in our back of our minds, like this is going to come to an end, you know, at some point. That is absolutely like listening that I'm just like trying to like put myself in like your shoes and that. No, it's constant anxiety with doing anything, but right. The anticipation, the anticipation eating me alive. Yeah. And so it was probably about a year and then we got the court papers and lawyered up, just kind of started progressing from there. And it took a really long time. It took, God, it took like, I believe it took two years for shit, two years after getting the charges. So to actually be sentenced. Yeah. Well, no, I guess it was, it would have been like a year, a year and a few months until he got his, um, until shit actually hit the van, Mm -hmm. like shit actually went down. We were going to court and stuff like that. And so, obviously, we pled not guilty to the charge that he was given because he wasn't guilty for that charge. Yes, he was guilty in different aspects of the charge that he ended up pleading guilty to, and but he obviously pled not guilty to that one because it wasn't what happened. Like, it's not the context of the situation at all. And so, that shit went down, and then... We still waited. And of course, COVID came. So the hearings were just being pushed out and pushed out and pushed out. So not only do we have this anticipation of like, wow, this shit's going down. Like, we're just having to wait and wait and wait and get continuance after continuance. And we're just like, what the fuck? So what was the time span from you guys are sentenced or that's when the court proceedings start. And then when he actually has to go serve time. It was easily a year easily a year since he um, was going through this and was going to his court hearings because there's like omnibus trials and all different kinds of things and originally we were going to go to trial because the plea was like take the sentence we're giving you or else like something else is going to be added to the story or something some crazy shit and so um he's like no we're going to go to trial and then eventually the prosecutor and his lawyer came to an agreement of a different charge which was a lesser sentence, but a higher felony. And so, and the charge did, you know, correlate to what happened, you know? And so my boyfriend, he was just kind of like, you know, like this sucks that this is happening and that I have to go through this, but it sucks even worse that like, I am the reason one of our friends passed away, you know? And so 
I feel like that really needs to be said because I feel like a lot of people are just kind of like, oh, like they're just trying to brush off the accident like nothing ever happened. Well, no, like he had a chance to stand in the courtroom and give his two cents on everything. And for all those people that don't know him, he is a very like down to earth person. Like he really cares about people. And when he was up there, he was like, no amount of time can ever, like, do justice for what happened, but I am here today to try and make things right. Like, I am here to take accountability for what I did. Like, I plead guilty to this charge, you know, and I'm willing to serve this time because not only is he living with it for the rest of his life, but, like, he thinks about the person every single day. Every single day. And so he just tries to, like, live out the kid's legacy, you know, because ultimately... The way that he feels is like the kid would trade places with him any day given the chance, you know. So so my boyfriend was like, I got to go get justice, you know, as much as I can, you know. And that's obviously for the families involved in the situation. The sentence that he got was not, you know, what they were pushing for. For some people, you may see it as like a smack on the hand. But the person that my boyfriend is, is not like, a malicious person. There is no ill intent at all. Like, and for people to think that this accident was maybe, like, pre-planned or that he tried to run from it and hide from it, like, that is not the case whatsoever. And like I said, that night, he did turn himself in. He called the police on himself and went through everything that he possibly could have to try and take fault, take blame for everything. And so, like, he just lives with that every single day. The sad part about this story is from listening to it and you taking me through that car accident scene that night. What's really confusing to me is that why was that person scum, as we called him, why was he not charged with anything? Why did that not translate into the court proceedings? Why was it all focused on him, your boyfriend? Well, ultimately, in a situation like that, you're going to point blame at the driver for obvious reasons. And in our statements, we did mention, you know, this person's part and everything. But it wasn't until after we'd already given our statements to when he brought forth the license plates and whatever else. And so, obviously, like I said, my boyfriend was star of the show, driver, you know. But... This other person did end up getting charged um, after a long speculation. I was in touch with the kid who passed dad and, like, gave him his address to send detectives to his house. I was like, I do not care what happens to this kid anymore. Like, his part in this situation needs to be taken accounted for. And so I did that. And then I heard through lawyers and stuff that he got charged with a couple things. But Where did he ever get... Did he... Get his sentence. I was going to say, I like the person he is. He ran from it. Where so. is he now? Oh, you know, just boat fishing up in the fucking Alaska. I wonder with what fishing company. Yeah, hmm. that would be. If anybody's listening from Alaska, <laughs> there is a person from Anacortes that has a, a warrant for his arrest. So if anybody wants to help with this situation, this person's a piece of shit and deserves nothing in life but pain and suffering. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> about that. At the end that. of the day, karma works her wonders, and it will get around to him, and it will hit him so fucking hard. Oh, I, I hope it's a 
bitch slap. Well, and God, like, he not only has these charges, he's had charges before that. He's had charges afterwards. What are his other charges? He's got, like, attempted robbery, rape, like... That he did plead guilty for, right? I can't remember. I heard that he was, like, in there for, like, maybe a day, but I don't fucking know. He probably lied his way out of it like he does everything else. Well, if you guys do find him, the best description I can give you is he looks like a full-on hood rat. Crackhead. Crackhead, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So, your boyfriend is finally charged. Were you in the courtroom that day? Yeah. So, when he was charged, what was your emotions? Oh, my God such a rough day it was a rough couple weeks like just coming down to that wire where it's like oh i have five days with him left before i'm off to do all of this by myself and like you know do everything for myself and so it was really heartbreaking um we had a lot of our friends well not a lot but we had a few friends and family come there because obviously we all wanted to see him again before he was taken away and just to have that support, you know, I feel like it made him a little bit more confident in what was going on. Um, but no, that was a really, really, really hard day. Like, before he went up to give his testimony, we literally had our final goodbyes in the hallway. And, like, hugged and kissed for a few minutes. And then he went in there, did his shit, and then they put him in cuffs and made him do a mouth swab and they took him. And honestly, now it being a month later since he's left, like, it's going smoother than i had imagined because i was like fuck like i think people have definitely stepped up to the plate like i know immediately like when he went in and you know they were sending him off to prison i immediately called you you know so i feel like that's the time where it's like you know i've definitely tried to step up you know as a friend and be there for you savannah you know and other people because it's like though i can't pretend i know what you're going through but I can at least be there for you. No, honestly, having all of this support has been so nice because, like, I have a really solid group of friends that not only are my friends, but we're mine and my boyfriend's friends mm-hmm. at the same time. And a lot of them were couples, and so we'd literally be with these people all the time. And so, like, for him to be gone, but me still be hanging out with these people, it kind of just, like, brings back those good memories of all of us doing things together, and... And you talk to each other every single day. Yeah, no, that's the best part. He calls me every morning. Which I was absolutely shocked, because when I thought of prison, I thought, you're lucky enough to at least get one phone call a week. Yeah. You know? No, he... He gets to call me every day, which is really nice, because, like... Though I can't see him, like, being able to hear him, like, in real time and not, like, over letters and stuff, like, I don't know, it just warms my heart. Guys, this interview is coming to an end, so you already know I'm about to drop some major fucking heat on you, so let's get into it. So, after everything that happened, in the back of your mind, do you regret moving here? Moving to Anacortes? I do not... And it if all, you could do it all over again, you would still do it. Everything that you that happened. Yeah, except for I probably would have just cut to the chase and found my boyfriend <laughs> instead of going through all but that But the trauma. journey was fun. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too, is if it wasn't for my ex-boyfriend, I wouldn't have even known who my boyfriend is now. So I feel like everything played out how it did for a reason, and I'm kind of an advocate of everything happens for a reason. I know it's pretty cliche, but um, I don't know. I... I tell myself this all the time. I tell my grandparents, I tell my friends, I'm like, moving up here was the best thing that I ever did. 100%. I'm like in a good place in my life and I have a stable boyfriend and like 
Sure, maybe he's not physically in the picture right now, but... But he will be. No, like, that communication will never die. I have a bond with someone like that. That will never alter, like, whether I regret moving here or not, you know? What would you say to the people you went to high school with that said all of these rumors to create a juicier narrative? I The floor is yours. (laughs) The floor is yours. Bitch, I have been preparing for this moment. Like, I sat there in my room and I'm like, fuck, what the fuck am I going to say? Like, there's so much that I could say. But it ultimately comes down to um, the fact that there was so many people who didn't even fucking know who I was and wanted to take these rumors and kind of form an image of who you think I am and use that to judge me says more about your character than it does mine. Like, if you actually had the time to fucking know who I am and took time out of your day to push your ignorance aside and sit there and be like, wow, maybe I should listen from the fucking source instead of everybody else, I am not a malicious person. I do not have ill intent towards anybody. So, at the end of the day... I am comfortable with myself now and I have grown from that trauma that you all bitches fucking put me through because believe me, it was not a one man thing. There was several people on my back, but I have grown from that. And just the fact that you guys took such a heartwarming person and such a good person and completely fucking ruined her and turned her cold should live with you for the rest of your life. And I hope that you're able to live with yourself knowing that you put someone else through so much shit that you didn't know about and they came out on top. You can drag somebody's name through the fucking mud as much as you want but when someone has that passion for life and like has the balls to get knocked down and keep going forward then you're just wasting your fucking time worrying about what I'm doing and ruining my life when I'm the one that is doing fine in a sense you know obviously I've got issues everyone's got their demons but like yeah just ultimately the fact that people of Anacortes people of Mount Vernon people of everywhere in this fucking county had so much shit about, like, so much shit to say about me when they don't even know who I am just says more about them than it does about me. And I just hope that they live with that for the rest of their lives. Period. Period. <laughs> oh. oh my God, we didn't even orchestrate that either. That's <laughs> Point just, blank, period. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Again, thank you so much for spreading your wings and learning to fly. And, yeah, these Red Bulls, bitch, they give me wings. I know. They gave me fairy <laughs> wings. No, thank you. And I really do appreciate you coming on the show. And I feel like, I mean, I said this in the beginning of the show, I feel like this is a great way to just let it all out So and learn from it and being yeah. able to be like, you know what? It's all in the past. I'm on a totally different chapter in my life right now where I don't ever have to go back. And if anybody has a fucking question, if anybody that I know tries to come up to me and ask me about the situation, listen to the fucking podcast. Listen to the fucking gay Bible. Listen to it from the actual person's perspective. And like, that's another reason why I was like, oh my God, like I want to do this show. So thank you. Well, how was your experience? How was your full experience? It was great. I feel like everything was played out very well and there was, it just flowed really well, but At the end of the day, I am just an ally. You know, I'm not incorporated in that. So for me to come on here, I feel like there was kind of a, like, questioning stage where it's like, why would they have a straight person on here? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I just want everyone else in this, whoever is listening to this, to just know that it's okay to go through really hard things in your life. Like, there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that's the most, like annoying fucking thing to hear when you're going through shit but like and maybe my personal experiences aren't necessarily as traumatic as other people's are obviously I went through everyday issues in life that 
a lot of people go through and I just want everyone to know like you can grow from it and you can forget about you know the negative shit that's happened in your life and try to just move on you know you can't let it weigh you down because I feel like that's really why I was so depressed before I came to is just because like I let it weigh me down yeah. and you can just rise from the fucking mud girl rise from the ashes Bloom like a from phoenix the concrete let's go guys that is it that is the episode for this week's episode of the gay bible guys thank you guys so much for listening like i've said fucking a million times give us a fucking rating rate this show give us a five stars anything below that you little bitch don't do that save it (laughs) leave us a review think about you know right into the show tell us what you like about it tell us your own experiences something you'd like to hear on the show um tell your friends tell your homophobic family members love you all (laughs) have an amazing week Bye bye